So it may be a little hard to try and figure out who the Big Ten is going to pick to be its next commissioner. But what kind of person should the conference be looking after? And also, is there anyone who would turn down the job on the Big Ten shortlist? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at some of the candidates for the Big Ten commissioner job. Of course, names already floating around, but we don't want to get too deep into the individuals, but more why it is that they're being connected to the position and what is it the Big Ten is looking at here. Also, what exactly is the quality of this job? Obviously, it's at the top of one of the highest positions in college sports, but it's not just college sports people who take these openings. So is there anybody out there who would turn down the opportunity to lead the Big Ten? We'll get into all of that in just a minute. Also going to recap an Ohio State shocking loss to Minnesota to give the Golden Gophers their first conference win of the season on the hardwood. And then we'll wrap things up with Big Ten news. Before we do any of that, though, a reminder, this is Locked On Big Ten, where you can get everything you need to know on the Big Ten Conference every day of the week. Again, we're going to get into things on the program, but be sure to follow us here at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end, not T-E-N on all wherever podcasts you get uh, on YouTube and on Twitter, too. All right, let's dive into the Big Ten Conference Commissioner search. It's a search that's just beginning and I don't expect to be done anytime soon. But there are still some names that stick out even in just the early speculation, the biggest of which is Jim Phillips. We talked about it yesterday. This is a guy who has been at the ACC for only two years, so not major attachments to that conference. He could come to the Big Ten, take a bigger job. You would seemingly think it's a job he would take, given the situation with both the Big Ten and the ACC and where they stand right now. But there's still here other names, of course, being thrown around as well. The biggest thing that has, of course, everything in common across them all is that they have experience with these media rights deals, these game schedulings with media companies, and all that kind of stuff. These are people who are working in sports and entertainment, not necessarily just sports even. For instance, some of the names being thrown around, uh, Burke Magnus of ESPN, Mark Silverman, this executive at Fox, people who have worked with the Big Ten and also worked on these kind of media rights deal that the Big Ten already has done. Uh, Kerry Kenny, even as an inside hire, someone who's already within the Big Ten, his job within the Big Ten had a lot to do with putting together that deal in the media rights sector. So as you see with the hires that other conferences have made, and as you see with just what makes sense, with the conference, what they care about in their commissioner most is making that media money, getting those deals done, and of course, being able to make the conference most profitable. It's what we've seen in other conference hirings as well. But what exactly is the quality of this Big Ten job? What is, it, what is it that would cause someone to turn it down, I guess? Why would someone be in a spot better than what the Big Ten has to offer? And if you're thinking just inside the box, nobody would take this or would turn down this job. 
The Big Ten is at the top of college athletics. The only position you could argue that is more powerful than it in college sports right now is at the top of the SEC. I would argue that even new president of the NCAA is not as powerful at the current moment as the Big Ten commissioner's job is. Wherever the Big Ten goes is wherever college sports goes, at least for now. Big Ten and the SEC. So if you're thinking about just people who are working within college sports, then no, no one turns this down. Jim Phillips is the head of the ACC. He dumps the ACC to head to the Big Ten. Or at least if you're thinking about it from a business perspective and what the better job is, you drop the ACC for the Big Ten every single time. So inside of sports, you can get whoever you want, really. Unless it's someone, well, like Kevin Warren, who had an opportunity to go to an even bigger job inside sports, or I guess the next level, which is the NFL, and which he already has, of course, all sorts of connections to. So what about the other people, though, who aren't working in sports right now, who have been hired by conferences recently, and of course, now are going to be put on the short list for Big Ten conference jobs as well? I'm talking about guys who get hired, uh, George Klyakov at the Pac-12 started up Hulu and was big in the entertainment industry before joining the Pac-12. These guys have sports experience too, but they cross industries. They go from sports over to just a digital business and working through sales there, but they know how to make the money. Brett Yormark was CEO of Rock Nation before he was hired as commissioner. These are people who, again, just have the experience in the media and sports industry businesses. So it's not necessarily someone who's already working in sports. It's not necessarily a guy like Jim Phillips, who is already the commissioner of another conference. We could be looking at somebody who is way, way from outside the range of what the Big Ten actually is here. But there's someone who is an expert in what they do in the front office, in those boardroom meetings, and in making the Big Ten its money. So when you're trying to put all that together, it's really a matter of kind of personal preference when you're thinking about does someone or does someone not take the Big Ten job? You kind of have to take it by a case-by-case basis. Because if you're hiring from somewhere within sports, this is a dream job from anyone within college athletics. And most people in the pros even would take this job too, at least as far as front office jobs go. But it's not quite the same as trying to consider who could be hired for a coaching job, for instance, if you're an NFL team or a college team looking for a new coach. It's a little bit different than that because the opportunity isn't exactly the same kind of motivator as far as the actual job description, right? Because leading the Big Ten is a huge opportunity and Kevin Warren had the opportunity to keep doing it. You could argue that moving over to the Bears was a lateral move for him, equal importance, equal gravity in what he's doing, equal opportunity for him to build up his resume. But he's always been an NFL guy. He's been in the NFL longer and for with much more experience than he's been in college. And to be quite honest, I feel like this is just what he wanted to do. I don't think it was a matter of him thinking the Big Ten job just wasn't the job for him anymore. So he goes and goes to the Chicago Bears and does his thing there. If you're trying to drag someone away from a rock nation, you just have to know that whoever it is, is someone who's going to want this job. And someone who's going to take on that challenge. Kevin Warren, as much as he did a good job and got things moving quickly when he was here, it did kind of always just seem like the next step in his career. A situation where he was going to move on to the bigger and better thing if and when it came around. I wasn't expecting to come around just three years in, but that's the way it works sometimes. 
The Big Ten is an elite college job. And if you're working in college sports, or if you're someone who's just a college sports fan, it can be easy to be like, oh, well, whoever the Big Ten wants, they're going to get. And to an extent, you're probably right. But there are those select few, like the people who are a CEO of a major record company and agency. It's that kind of stuff that could be like, okay, it's really just a matter of what's this guy feel like doing? And that's a lot harder to talk about. As far as what the actual Big Ten like uh, presidents and university leaders are going to look for, I think Jim Phillips is really the best answer for a speculative guess here. I think that when you had Kevin Warren in there, you had a guy who not everybody liked, who not everyone had hired also, by the way. And from someone who was outside of college athletics going into a spot where really for the first time he had to be governed by these 14 schools in a way. He worked in the NFL for a long time and had a lot of people that he had to answer to, I'm sure. But as far as being commissioner of a college conference, it's a little bit different in exactly how you have to please those 14 institutions. Jim Phillips has been doing it. The people who are going to be making this decision at the top of these schools have already been seeing for a couple of years now what Jim Phillips looks like as a commissioner here. And I feel like a lot of what they didn't like about Kevin Warren was really just what he was saying in public, even if it was against what they felt in private. It was the fact that he was being a little bit, I mean, I don't want to say loose-lipped, but like just being able to say what he wanted out there when he real I maybe didn't realize that the Big Ten commissioner or the Big Ten leaders might not want him exactly saying, hey, let's go for more expansion right away. Jim Phillips seems like a guy who's going to be able to follow that line a little bit better because he's already been there. So he seems like the obvious answer with what just happened with Kevin Warren and the way that he reportedly wasn't loved by everyone in the room there. I feel like they'd be much more comfortable making a safer pick and there is no safer pick than Jim Phillips. Not to mention that he was a guy who was in line and in, in the running for this job when Kevin Warren was hired too. So that's just my two cents on it, but I just want to reemphasize there is no way to try and put a finger on who the Big Ten is going to go after. It could be literally anybody, but it's going to be a big name from whatever industry it is they're coming from. We do know that. We'll continue along here on Locked On Big Ten in just a minute. I want to get into the Ohio State loss to Minnesota on the hardwood. A third straight loss in a row for Ohio State Thursday, but really, what does it mean for? Uh, trying to figure out what your team is looking like right now. Losing to Minnesota is not good. And we're going to break down the signs that led up to that loss for Ohio State here in just a second. Before we do any of that, though, a reminder that betonline.net is your number one sport source for sports gambling. No matter what it is that you're looking to do, you can get it done at BetOnline. Find all the latest odds and trends for every professional and even amateur Big Ten league out there. Anything that you want to put a bet on, you can get it done over at Bet Online. You can sign up for free right now and get started at Bet Online, your one stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, a reminder once you're done here to tune in to Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about what's going on in the college basketball world in less than 30 minutes, just like how we do it here. Plus, hear from the big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ohio State loses to Minnesota over uh, on Thursday. And it was the first win of the conference season for the Golden Gophers, but 
more importantly, a third straight loss for Ohio State. And in this matchup, you get, in my opinion, something that when I started to look at the numbers, really the culmination of what has been a big downslide over the last couple of weeks for the Buckeyes. Because I say this not as a disrespect to Minnesota, because Minnesota is going to be able to win Big Ten games. In their last three games, the first three games in the new year in the conference, they've gotten a win and they've lost by a single possession twice to Wisconsin and Nebraska, a good team in the Badgers, on the road too. So Minnesota is going to be able to win games. But the Golden Gophers are still easily the worst team in this conference. And if you're a team that loses to Minnesota, that wants to make the NCAA tournament, that loss has to be some sort of sign that you need to take a deeper look at things. Because Ohio State lost its third game in a row here. So it was a little bit more obvious that something might be going wrong. But even if you just lose to Minnesota on a random day, it can be just that your team came out flat. But if you're asking me in reality, I think it's much more likely that something's wrong. So let's take a look at this Ohio State game against Minnesota. First off, uh, Ohio State fans may be yelling at me right now and saying it shouldn't have been a loss, and you're probably right. Uh, Big Ten even actually came out and said that the final foul call that put Minnesota at the free throw line at the end, giving them the lead and giving them the game, was not a call, was not a foul, uh, which is weird for something like that to happen. I'm not used to seeing the at a college level officials coming out and saying, "Hey, we messed one up," but the Big Ten did as much. So. I just want to, first off, before we get into things, say, yes, this game easily could have gone to overtime. Ohio State easily could have won the game. Let's not talk about it too much, to be honest, because I, I mean, I'm sure Jay Stevens, I haven't listened, but if you go listen to Lockdown Buckeyes, I'm sure you get a whole bunch about how that was not supposed to be a foul and how Ohio State would have won that game. It's true, but it's just not really something that there's any point in talking about at this point here on this show. So, Go listen to Locked On Buckeyes if you want to be upset. Let's break down exactly what's going on with Ohio State here on this show. At the moment, Ohio State has, at least over the last three games, all three losses, fallen into some sort of pit that I'm legitimately concerned about as they get started up here in Big Ten play. Because this is an Ohio State team that I think has a lot of talent. Bryce Sensabaugh is a guy who can take over any college basketball game. If they get hot, they can make noise. But these are three losses that at the very end of it, you're looking back and thinking, mm, this is not good. First off, just looking at this individual box score, it's kind of a head scratcher how Ohio State lost this one. Uh, Ohio State took 10 more shots from the field than Minnesota, out-rebounded Minnesota. The fouls were even, 15 to 14. Uh, went to the free throw line the Buckeyes did 10 more times than Minnesota, made five more free throws than Minnesota did. Uh, there was no big discrepancy in three-point shooting. Uh, shots just weren't falling for Ohio State. They shot less than 40%. Ohio or Golden Gopher shot 50%. Uh, they made three less shots from the field on those 10 more shots taken. So if you were looking at this game just as an individual and thinking, okay, how did Ohio State lose this one? That's it. That's a team. That's basically it. It's they couldn't shoot and the shots weren't falling. But if you take a little bit of a deeper look, there's a little bit of a deeper problem going on with this team. So these three losses. I take them apart from everything else and then compare them to what Ohio State has done to the rest of the season. And there's just some things Ohio State has not been doing over the last couple of weeks. Starting with this three-game losing streak, they're averaging only eight assists per game. 
in the entire season up until this three-game stretch. They had only twice gotten eight or less assists, averaging eight over these last three. Moving on, the Ohio State Buckeyes during this three-game stretch are only taking 15 three-pointers per game. Ohio State takes more threes than that on the average. In college basketball nowadays, you take more threes than that on the average. It's not necessarily a sign that they're doing anything more or less or better or worse, but it's something that Ohio State does and has said, hey, this is part of our game plan. They've been limited in their ability to do that early. 15 threes per game in the last three, only once previously in this season had they taken less than 15 threes in a single game. Only taking 43% from the field in shooting in the stretch. Only once had they shot less than 43% the entire season. You can see the trend I'm getting at here. And also during this three-game stretch, did okay against Minnesota, but averaging only 28 rebounds per game. Ever, They've only gotten once once this season have they ever gotten less than that amount the entire year the point is there's key stats rebounding shooting three-point shooting in just the attempts that they're getting and also re or assists as well moving the ball around they're just not doing it as well as they had this season it started with the loss at purdue which to be honest was statistically the best game they had lost to purdue by only two and looked pretty good in that one but even when you put those game is that game in and add it to the other two losses here, Ohio State just has fallen out of its rhythm. The low assists mean that they're not running the offense that they want. They're not getting the kind of flow that they want on the offense, which also leads to less of the bigger shots that you'd like to get. Less open threes, for example, which they are taking less of. They're rebounding the ball less, which means less second chance opportunities, which means less lower field goal percentages. It's all culminating together to say, hey, there's something going on with this Ohio State's offense flow. You may not be able to actually see what it is until you actually look at it, but you can see in the box scores, there is something that's wrong with this team on offense, and the Buckeyes need to figure it out. Because you can lose to Minnesota. Someone's going to lose to Minnesota this year. They're not go winless in the Big Ten bad. But they are the worst team in this conference. There is a pretty big gap still, if you ask me. And if you lose to Minnesota, you're going to be able to dig in and, like I did here with the Buckeyes, find the holes that led to it. Because even if you're not playing well against a Minnesota team, Ohio State's good enough to be able to win that game anyway, even if they're not shooting well. So you have to look and see, what is it exactly that's messing with this Ohio State's offense's flow? You can find it in the numbers. I'll go watch games and try and figure out what it is exactly. But you can see there's something messing with this team's offense. And the evidence is more than just in the eye test. It is on paper if you look in the right places. We're going to wrap things up here now on Locked on Big Ten by taking a look at just the latest in news from around the conference, of course. First thing up, tickets for the Big Ten tournament are on sale next week. On Tuesday for the men's, I believe it's Monday for the women's tournaments. They also have new logos, which is something fun. If you been keeping track there's been one logo for the big 10 tournament alongside the actual big 10 they got a new logo for the tournament so good for them and also uh, ryan day has a new offensive coordinator after kevin wilson leaves for tulsa's head coaching job day is elected to promote brian hartline from receivers coach to offensive coordinator hartline was another guy who had his name uh, circling around as far as head coaching positions too this secures he'll stay with ohio state at least for a little bit longer 
As far as recruiting news, a couple of basketball commits to tell you about, both of them unranked commits in 24-7's composite rankings. Unranked point guard Niccolo Moretti out of Australia has committed to Illinois, and also unranked power forward Blake Barkley out of Connecticut has committed to Northwestern, no relation to Charles Barkley. That's Blake Barkley, unranked 2023 commit out of Northwestern. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton have all of the news that you need to know around the entire sport in one episode, just like we do every day here on Locked On Big Ten. Plus, hear from the biggest of experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This has been me, Nate Dickinson. You've been listening into Locked On Big Ten. We'll have more here next time as we get into the weekend on Locked On Big Ten. Big basketball coming up here. We're going to get into it, of course, when we talk to you next on the program. Until then, follow along wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, on Twitter, too, at Locked On Big Ten. One zero when you're typing, not T-E-N. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. We'll talk to you next time here on Locked On.